10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterward, I came unto the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that, when, that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. So if you remember last week as we were talking through the first portion of chapter 1 of Galatians, we mentioned uh, the authority that Paul is writing to the Galatians church in. Um, and if you've been coming it's, uh, to the Theology Tuesday classes, Truman actually touches on the authority of a pastor, which is different than an apostle, because obviously an apostle is one that has physically seen Jesus Christ, but Paul claims to be an apostle of Jesus Christ because he physically saw Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Not only that, but he alludes here in this portion of Scripture, which we're going to talk about a little bit further later on, that he did not, when he had his conversion experience on the road to Damascus, he did not do what was traditionally done, which was go to Jerusalem and confer with the other apostles like Peter um, but instead, he went into Arabia and was there for three years. And if you read other portions of Scripture, and as I studied through this passage of Scripture myself, it is that he himself was taught, physically speaking, the gospel by Jesus Christ himself. And so the authority that he comes and he is now proclaiming this message, which we talked about last week, as you know, is um, he was dealing with false doctrine, false theology that had been permeating the churches of Galatia at this time. Other people, specifically Jewish people, were trying to mix the old religion with the new gospel as if you could ever add to something that is perfect, as if man's, uh, man's efforts could ever in any way make better what Christ has already done on the cross of Calvary. And yet, that's what they were preaching, and it was getting bad enough where Paul is here having to communicate this message to the Galatian churches, and he really was not one to mince words. 
as uh, Pastor Truman always says, as he's going through uh, Colossians, he says this, um, and he really was not, because you see right after this great introduction where he talked about, as we talked about last week, the grace and peace of God, he begins and he launches into this great question uh, in that first part of chapter one, says to the church of Galatia, there in verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed for him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Almost sarcastically asking the churches of Galatia, I'm surprised that you have turned away from the truth of Scripture that you know to be true that has been preached unto you not just by me, but other people of the faith, and you know it to be true. You have been convinced of it, and you know it. Why? Because you have believed it for salvation. Because remember, he is writing to the church, which means that if they're part of the church, they had to be part of the body of Christ. They had to be saved. They had to believe it for salvation. So they are now so quickly turning away from the gospel of Jesus Christ into this really not new gospel, as Paul says, but a twisting, if you will, of the gospel message by including something else, which is the Old Testament law. And I was, as I was studying the, specifically the second portion of this passage, I was thinking a lot about, and, and you'll see the connection, I, I hope, in a minute. Um, I was thinking a lot about the Tower of Babel. You know, if you, th- if you think about the Tower of Babel, it says in Genesis... Uh, chapter 11, that all of the men came in and they came together and they wanted to build this great tower for the purpose of what? Reaching heaven, right? So they got together, they started reaching this tower, and if you were to just glance over that passage of Scripture, it almost feels as if God's like, well, they can't, we, we have to stop them, which it's not possible. They could never have reached heaven in the first place. And what God does is a great act of mercy. He divides them by giving them their own individual languages and starts spreading them out throughout all of the world. But I thought about how foolish it is that those men thought, you know, given all we know now about space and how where heaven really is located, that they could reach heaven by simply building a tower. That is religion in a nutshell for us today. That we think that by our efforts, we can somehow build a tower high enough to ever get to heaven. Where if you really thought about it, and this is what as Christians we, have, we know to be true, that we cannot reach holiness, God, by anything that we do. Because we're incapable of building anything high enough, perfect enough, great enough of our own power, of our own selves, to ever come close, not even reach it, but come close to reaching God. You know, Isaiah, there's a famous passage in Isaiah that says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So if that's our righteousnesses in front of God, I don't even want to know how he views the parts of me that are failing. And yet that's what we try to build on, right? That's what, that's what we talked about last week is what will try to build up to heaven if we're thinking of that we can do it of our own power and reaching God, and it's really impossible to do so. And so Paul, in this portion, going back to Galatians, he starts with this question in verse 10, which I read a few minutes ago. 
For do I now persuade men or God? Of course, he's he's speaking almost facetiously here because no man can convince God of anything by anything that he does. There's nothing that I can do to convince God to let me into heaven, no matter how hard we try, because we're incapable. We don't have, we're not perfect enough to get there, just like the people building the Tower of Babel were building a tower thinking, I'm going to get to heaven. They really didn't know how high it was. That's how, how, how far away we are from God. And people that are preaching anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is exactly what they're doing. By adding to what is already perfect, what they're doing is this. They are trying to persuade God as, as if they had any ability to persuade God. Not only that, but they, as we saw last week, they attempt to persuade men. A lot of people that preach other Gospels are really the combinations or, or um, disfigurings of the gospel, if you will. The only thing that they're doing is this. They are trying to persuade men. And we've seen today, um, we were talking, Brother Bob and I were talking about this a little bit after last Wednesday night, how there are so many different churches, religious groups, what have you, whatever you want to call them, that are absolutely full of people. And yet, when you listen to what they have to offer, it's really a man just giving opinion without any backing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul had dealt with it back in the day. He was dealing with it, and as we're reading the book of Galatians, we're still dealing with it today. And as we talked about last week, what we must do as Christians is to remain rooted and grounded in the truth. Now, Paul is going to go into really what is his story of how he got the gospel message, and we're going to see that today. You know, our giving of the gospel is not to please men, as I mentioned, because really, we don't really convince man of anything. We simply present the gospel message, and it is up to the Holy Spirit to do his work. And sometimes we might fail. I think if, if it was up to us to persuade men to be Christians and we were measured on our level of success, oops, we would be in trouble. I, I would be in trouble. But it's not about that. It's not about persuading. It's about giving the truth. And, and we know, especially living in the world we are today, that Men, as John put it so clearly, men love darkness rather than light. They have gone away from the truth of the Scriptures and we present the Gospel, but we don't really persuade men of anything. There is a passage of Scripture that Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians, and I'll read it for you in verse 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. He says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now listen to the next three words. We persuade men. This is Paul speaking. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your own consciousness. Here, Paul is not at all contradicting what he said in Galatians chapter 1, 
where he said, we do not persuade, do I now persuade men or God? He's not contradicting that at all, but he is making a distinction. You know, as preachers and as people that declare the gospel, we ought not to add to the gospel to sweeten the ears of men. But here's what we do as we present the gospel message. We are to show them the truth in hopes that they will be persuaded by what they hear, not by us and our delivery, because sometimes I can get up here and just start and and the man is not what's important. What's important is the message. And hopefully as we proclaim the gospel to other people, that will be enough to persuade them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we do not add to the gospel to sweeten man's ears. We present the gospel <clears throat> and let the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of men because we know the consequences of rejecting Christ. That's, that is the only thing that makes us different. We know the consequences of rejecting Christ because we now stand as recipients of the grace, as we talked about last week, and the mercy of God, not by our own doing, but by receiving the free gift that Christ has already given to us. And the consequence of that, or really, I should say the opposite of that, is being at the mercy of a just and holy God without the intercession of His grace. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we don't have Christ who lives within us, and we go before God, and we know this because we've experienced the grace and mercy of God as Christians, we stand before Him, we have, or we're in danger of standing before Him, on the judge, at the judgment day, without the intercession of His grace. And as Christians, as we go before people, and as we present the gospel to people, what we should do is make them very, very aware of this truth, that there is no possible way to stand before God and live without the intercession of His grace. If we don't have God's grace poured out over our lives when we stand before Him, there's no hope for us because we are unrighteous in and of ourselves. This gospel that Paul received was not after man. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Man has always tried to get to the Garden of Eden by his own merits. We talked about this last week in how even at the very beginning, chapter 3, three chapters into the Holy Word of God, we are, we are shown what happens when one devious being twists a little bit of the gospel message, what, what God, really what God commanded to Adam, twisted one little bit, and in so doing, just destroyed everything not that he destroyed it but we did in believing the lie that we were told you know paul when it comes to religion achieved really the pinnacle of it and he mentions it here in this passage of scripture in verses 13 and 14 he says for i have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion 
of of many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of my traditions of the traditions of my father paul saw himself as he looked back because remember this is paul now after he is converted after he is preaching um as we talked about last week this is probably he was on his third missionary journey at this point and as he is recollecting his experiences prior to receiving the gospel and receiving jesus christ as his lord and savior this is what he says that he saw himself as one who achieved really the the maximum that you could in the jews religion he was he was seen as the best of the best and really in hindsight it it meant nothing to him it meant absolutely nothing to him to have all of these so-called accolades to have the respect of his peers that were engaging in really false religion, false worship of God. He saw it as absolutely nothing. And even in speaking to his fellow believers, even creates a separation between himself in the past and the church of God, and really a total and complete separation from his old self because that is what that is what should happen. When you receive the gospel message, that was your old self. And Paul recognized that, that that was in the past. I was this. I achieved this. But now. I am in Christ. And I'm preaching to you because and this is where we go to the next path, the next part of this passage of Scripture. But when it pleased God who separated me from his mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. God separated Paul from, the Bible tells us right here, from his mother's womb that he was designated to preach the gospel to the heathen, those that were not Jews. That was his message. That was his his purpose that God had preserved him for. And until the time that he designated it, it wasn't going to happen. So God knew as Paul was doing all these evil, evil things, because they were evil. He was persecuting the very church of God. He was doing very evil things, imprisoning them and and burning down uh, their houses and all these things. He was persecuting the church and breathing out threatenings, uh, as Acts chapter 9 says, against God. Until God said, okay, now I'm going to use you. And I always, as I was, and as I read through Paul's story, and as we're going to get to at the end of this passage tonight, it always amazed me because, you know, you see these people that knew Paul or Saul back in the day, as he was called, and now he is preaching the gospel. And they're like, is this guy really converted or is he just a spy coming in to seek us out to kill us to eradicate us what is his deal and really in acts chapter 9 god presents himself to uh ananias who is going to meet him there as he is met by god on the road to damascus 
And here, here's what God says. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Jesus confronted Paul after he had reached the very pinnacle of religion and found the out, really, what, God, what Paul found out at that moment when he is confronted by God on the road to Damascus is for all the things he had accomplished, he was working against the very God he thought he was serving. What a radical thing to, after all this time, doing all of these things in, youth, in what he thought was the name of God, to all of a sudden be confronted by the very God himself. And he knew, and all of a sudden, a complete paradigm shift for him. Because God had a special calling for his life to preach to Gentiles. You know, the Jews experienced Jesus directly and they rejected him. Paul was God's chosen vessel to take the gospel to those that didn't know him while he was on earth directly, but would know him through his word. And God, through Paul, would take the gospel out to the entire world. And really, today, as we're sitting here, we're, we're Gentiles, probably all of us, I think. Um, we're all kind of secondary recipients to what Paul did as he preached the gospel to the rest of the world. And Paul really didn't hear that message from others. He heard it really from Jesus Christ himself. And that's what he, said, that's what he means when he says he didn't confer with flesh and blood. He wanted the Galatians to know that he did not hear the gospel even from the apostles. It wasn't a second-hand thing. That's why at the beginning of this letter, he claims that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ because he is not receiving the gospel message via second hand from Peter or from James or from John. He is receiving the gospel message directly from Jesus Christ. And he saw Jesus Christ and, he pro and that's why he proclaims that he is an, ap an apostle of Jesus Christ. Not to say that it would have been bad for him to have heard the gospel from them, but he wanted to ensure that the Galatians understood why he chose, why he was given the title of apostle and the qualities of which were very specific. Paul, in those three years in Arabia, receives the gospel and returns eager. He visits, as this passage of Scripture tells us, he visits Peter for a few weeks and meets in passing James, the Lord's brother, indicating that neither Peter nor James could have trained him to preach the gospel because, I mean, I spent and Spencer, both Spencer and I spent four years in Bible college and we're still learning. So two weeks is not enough to get a full you know, training of, okay, now go out and preach the word. Not that it's impossible, but Paul is trying to let them know, let the Galatians know, look, I'm giving you my whole story. I'm letting you know that there is no possible way that I have heard the gospel message of anybody else but Jesus Christ. He is the authority that I am preaching to you and that is what, that's what he wanted to declare unto them. Lastly, verses 20 to 24. And I'll read them one more time. And it says this. Now the things which I write unto you, old before God, I lie not. After I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, 
and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed, and they glorified God in me. You know, Paul was an absolute unknown as far as a preacher when he stepped onto the scene. After those three years in Arabia, he starts to preach, but he isn't really known by anyone. The only thing that they know, that anyone knows for sure, is this was the one that was persecuting the church, and now he is a champion of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't really know him, but they knew exactly of what God had done in him. You know, very different from those that he was writing to warn of, which by their own new doctrines, no doubt were seeking notoriety or self-promotion. Paul only seeks, and, and we see this all throughout all of his letters, that his only desire is to proclaim the truth of the word of God. And the only thing that people were sure of him from the very beginning as he begins the ministry that God has called him to do, is of all that Christ had done in him. Not about how good of a preacher he was, not about how, how notorious he was, but this man has been completely changed. And I mean completely and radically changed to the point where he used to persecute the church and now he is preaching the very Christ that he was seeking to eradicate as if he could do that. Complete change in his life. Paul's journey really would seem rather odd to most looking in. Saved by grace, but instead of being the stereotypical, outspoken person, you know, as, as most of us are when we receive the gospel, we're excited, right, to preach the gospel. Paul, instead, what he does is he retreats. But he retreats for a very specific purpose, to get training from the best place he could. And then after he is ready, he sets out on this journey knowing exactly where the message that he was going to proclaim came from, with no doubt in his mind. And so he, when he went forth, he went forth boldly to proclaim the gospel because of what he had heard. You know, religion teaches us to achieve or to attain if it is not grounded in the gospel. That's why I believe I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we, As Christians, we enjoy a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have a religion in Jesus Christ because it's not about necessarily the rules. It's not necessarily about the procedures or anything like that. It is about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ as individuals, but also as corporately as we gather together, us strengthening each other in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. Religion teaches to achieve or to attain. Christ calls us to repentance or to humility. Although the Jews had the law, had God's word in the past, they didn't receive it beyond lip service because Christ came and they completely didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. Which shouldn't shock us because in John chapter 4, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. He says this in verse 23. 
But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit, verse 24. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Anything that we perceive to bring to God for His acceptance outside of what He, through Christ, has done is absolutely worthless. And I'm grateful for that. Because that means that I have nothing I can offer except what He has already given me to give back to Him. And we all have that. All of us together. Paul is recognizing that. That that he was given the gospel message and all he was doing was giving back that message to a people that had not heard of Jesus, did not know of Jesus, but they needed Jesus. They needed to know. And God had specifically given him the task of reaching out with that message to the world. And what God desires from all of us, and this is what Galatians, really what what the last verse in Galatians chapter 1 says, and they glorified God in me. Not to say that it's because of anything that Paul had done that they were glorifying God but because they had heard of the story of someone that had been completely, radically changed from someone that persecuted the church to someone who was now one of its greatest champions. And we have pretty much, I would say about 60 to 75% of the New Testament was written by that man that received the gospel on the road to Damascus, knew exactly the message that he had received. And when he came back from really getting that message, really getting that training, reached out into the world and proclaimed the gospel message boldly to a world that really didn't know him. To be worshipped in humility is what we have to bring to him, to bring him, bring Jesus Christ humility and let others glorify God in us. Let what God has done be what speaks the loudest. And let that be what we're known for as Christians. Let's pray together.